Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 88 of the Flying Free Podcast. I am excited to introduce you to Leah Hadley. She's a best selling author, she's a certified divorce financial analyst master analyst in financial forensics, and an accredited financial counselor. She's also the founder of Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions and Great Lakes Investment Management, and she's the author of a book called When It's Just Not Working, A Practical Divorce Guide for Stay-at-Home Moms. She also has a divorce resource bundle on her website that we can talk about later, but welcome, Leah. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You have a lot of experience and education under your belt in this area, it sounds like. so I do. I love to learn and I love to help my clients as best I can. And the only way I can do that is by keeping, you know, continuing to learn. So Yeah. That is, that is amazing. That's huge value. Um, I would really like to know what caused you to pursue a career in helping people find financial stability and specifically you know, going down the road towards writing a book about, you know, for stay-at-home moms who might be divorcing, which seems sort of like, who's a stay-at-home mom who gets divorced? I mean, I know tons of them, but, uh, you know, when you just say that, most people would be like, why would a stay-at-home mom get a divorce? Well, it's a good question, and it's it's an important one. So um, just if I rewind, you know, looking back toward where I started in my career, I was uh, actually started on the institutional side of investing. So I was an equity research analyst and, you know, making investment recommendations like big hedge fund managers and mutual fund managers. And um, I was ready to start a family. And that kind of a role is very hard to have um, when you're, you're ready to expand your family because it requires quite a bit of travel and just a lot of hours. And I became a traditional financial advisor um, because I was hoping to have the flexibility that I needed um, to be able to have a family and still kind of stay in the the financial world, if you will. That's where my career had been, but really apply the skills that I had developed to helping individuals and families. Um, And so as a financial advisor, what I learned very quickly um, was that there were a lot of people who just were not really getting good advice, getting good information, and especially when it came to people who were going through a divorce. So I inherited lots of accounts um, when I was with the, the firm that I started with, and I would see women just blowing through their assets after a divorce because of just poor planning. So they had just um, agreed to a settlement that really wasn't in their best interest and hadn't really thought much beyond kind of the immediate issue in front of them. Um, And as a result, I could see that they were headed in a very bad direction. Um, But I was, it was a traditional um, financial advisor role. And there really wasn't a lot of room um, to provide kind of creative financial solutions in the way that I wanted to. Um, And so where my background is kind of in that traditional role, um, and I had a lot of really good experiences, you know, learning how to do um, 
the financial advisory work and the investment research and all of that, um, I kind of decided to make my own path and create my own firm so I could serve people in a way that um, was meaningful and that I could really help them where I think traditional financial advisors are not um, well, they're not compensated to help people in that way, and the, the role just isn't designed to help people in the way that I wanted to help them. Um, but it was really through seeing so many people really struggling, um, even, you know, having a financial advisor, but just not being in the role where I could really help them in a proactive way to craft a settlement agreement that was going to serve them for years and years. So then when I started my divorce practice and really focused on helping people through the divorce process, I would get a lot of calls from stay-at-home moms. And um, stay-at-home moms in particular have a lot of additional concerns than somebody who has been employed on their own um, and working and earning their own income. But a stay-at-home mom who's been depending on her spouse for income, um, there's so much fear around going through this divorce process, no matter where you're coming from, because there's so many life changes that are happening. But when you couple that with somebody who is a stay-at-home mom um, and might also be looking at things like, how am I getting back into the workforce? Can I get back into the workforce? I still have children at home. You know, how is this all going to work? There's just some, an additional layer um, of fear and concern that needs to be addressed that I just found wasn't really being addressed. I, I wrote the book because I just didn't see a lot of literature out there for people who were specifically in this place of, you know, being a stay-at-home mom and looking at the marriage not working out and what do you do? And um, I, you know, it's in um, a digital format so that people can get it. They don't have to worry about, you know, their spouse seeing it laying around or anything. Mm. Um, but so that it's very accessible for people to just start getting some basic information. How do I prepare myself? What are the first steps I need to do? And, and really looking at that uh, because I just, it's been such a challenge for the women that I've worked with um, to just feel like they don't know where to turn. They don't know what resources are available. Um, and a lot of the women that I've worked with have even waited until their kids have been much older to, um, to terminate the marriage, but have been in a marriage that's been really, really unhappy for a very long time um, because they didn't know where to turn. And so um, it's really been important to me to provide resources specifically for that demographic um, to help them know that they're not alone, um, that there is, you know, there are resources out there that there is support available and that they do have options. Um, and so if they're in an unhappy marriage, they don't need to stay that way. Um, but they, they can look at how do I move through this transition and be able to stand on my own two feet. Wow. I wish so bad I would have had someone like you um, helping me through my divorce because I didn't you just kind of go through it and you don't really know what you're doing and you just keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. That's what, that's what my attitude was. Cause I didn't, I just didn't know. And I didn't really have money to invest either in, I, I thought about it. I thought about getting someone, hiring someone to help me, but I wasn't sure what they could do. It wasn't really clear to me what they would do that would help me make it worth my while or worth my you know, investment of money. So you, do you help people then while they're going through the divorce process? Do you help them to see, like, do you look at their, 
their books and help them to see, you know, where they can get money in the settlement that they maybe aren't seeing? Something yeah, it's a great question. So I have so many people, Natalie, who reach out to me and say, I, I don't know exactly what you do, but I think you're the person that I'm looking for. Right, right. And, and I think they're exactly feeling just what you are, that you, there's so much uncertainty. And honestly, for some people, we sit down and we have a conversation and the conversation is, look, your attorney's taking great care of you. And I think, you know, you're, you're looking at a reasonable settlement. And even just to have that peace of mind to know that somebody looked at it, um, I think is huge. But the vast majority of the time, um, when I'm looking through um, people's information, I'm finding different opportunities that they maybe have not considered, um, or different options. And um, it really looks different for everybody. The way I work with people, it just really depends on the situation that they're starting with. Um, you know, sometimes I'm digging into financials and looking for accounts that they maybe didn't even know exist. Um, and sometimes I'm really helping them to develop a realistic post-divorce budget. Um, and, you know, sometimes we're looking at, well, how are assets going to get divided? Really, everybody's situation is so unique because their financial situation is unique and then their relationship is unique. And so it really does depend on you know where they're coming from and what that looks like, how I support them. But I think you really nailed it, Natalie. A lot of times people are just like, I'm not even really sure what help I need, but I think I may need some help. And we talk through it and we figure it out together. Um, I would say there are some areas that are um, I see all the time. People just really need support all the time. So things like, for an example, if there's a pension that's being handled in a divorce, a lot of people just, you know, don't understand pensions, don't understand the benefits, and certainly don't understand the options when it comes to how those things could or might not be able to be divided um, in the case of a divorce. And so uh, attorneys are really trained to help advise people on the legal issues. Um, but some of those financial questions are just really out of their um, specific area of expertise. So I really discourage people from relying on their attorney when it comes to some of the more complicated uh, financial issues. And a pension is one that comes up quite frequently, um, where I think people really need to reach out and just make sure that it's being handled correctly. Yeah. Okay. So do you do, are your clients all local or do you do on, do you take online clients? Yeah. So I actually, this year expanded internationally, believe it or not. Wow. And I think people think that's crazy because you think, you know, divorce laws are based on the state. And even um, if I look at some of the states that I work in regularly from county to county or judge to judge, you can see some differences in how certain issues are, are handled. But with that said, I don't advise at all on the legal issues, not at all. Um, I am specifically looking at financial issues when I'm working with people. Um, and so I'm able to help people from all over on a variety of financial issues. Um, and it doesn't matter what state they live in. So I, I, you know, sometimes I'm a little hesitant with some of the international folks. Just want to make sure that I have a full understanding of the complexities of their situation. Um, but certainly, you know, with throughout the United States, I, I have, you know, pockets of 
people that I work with in certain states just because I've, you know, I've had a client here who referred me to their attorney and then, you know, suddenly I have several clients in a particular state. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm able to work with people and actually I'm not seeing anybody in person right now. Um, so even local clients I'm working with virtually at the moment, you know, just because of the pandemic, but um, yeah, all over. Interesting. Okay. That's really helpful to know. And if you're listening and you're thinking, I really need this kind of help, I will put a link to her website in the show notes. All you have to do is go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 88 to get those show notes and other, we'll link to her book and other resources that she has as well. Okay. So I'm wondering how, if you can just help tell us, give us kind of a bird's eye idea of how a woman can protect herself financially during the divorce process. And also, well, I guess let's start with that. So I would say even before the divorce process, although, um, you know, if you're already in the middle of it, then you start where you start and that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, but to, to take, to be involved in the family finances in some way is really to your benefit. And even if it's not really, like a lot of people will tell me, like I, when we talk about money, I feel like my head's going to explode. I hear that a lot. Or mm -hmm. um, it makes my head spin. Um, even if you don't understand every piece of the financial conversation, um, just being present and involved in those conversations, whether it's tax time, and, you know, you're looking through your tax return before you sign off on it. Um, just having a conversation with your, your tax preparer to make sure you understand what you're signing off on. Um, or if you have a financial advisor, attending all of the meetings with your financial advisor or, you know, being on the phone calls, those kinds of things. Again, you may not uh, understand absolutely everything, and that's fine. Hopefully, you're working with a professional who is happy to break things down for you and explain it. But let's say you're not, and that your spouse has been the one who's primarily interacted with those folks in the past. Okay, no problem. Just listen. Because over time, you do start to have the same conversations over and over. And if you just are listening and you are participating, you will start to learn some of the vocabulary and understand some of the concepts that are being discussed more and more as you do it over and over. So my first recommendation would just be get involved in the family finances, whatever your starting point, you know, if you are currently the one who let's say, you know, pays the bills and handles kind of the everyday cash flow in the house, um, but you let your spouse handle some of those longer term, bigger financial decisions, um, start talking about getting involved in those things and asking questions. Um, the more information that you know about your financial situation, the better protected you are because you are armed with that information, okay? Um, if you don't have information or you don't have access to the information, I highly, highly recommend that, especially if you're going through a, a divorce, you reach out to a certified divorce financial analyst. Those are folks who are specifically trained in the divorce process and helping you guide through the financial decisions that you need to make. Um, now, not all CDFA, that's the acronym for Certified Divorce Financial Analysts, not all CDFAs um, are um, working with the same kinds of clients. So you might reach out to one and find out like that's not the right fit for you. Some of them are really just working with people with a, a higher amount of assets or more financial complexity. But there are folks out there who are willing and able to help you, um, even with the most basic financial issues like budgeting and things like that. And again, they're really trained through the divorce process. And so 
if you are not familiar with your finances and you're in the middle of the process, having a financial advocate on your side is just huge um, in terms of number one, your peace of mind, but number two, making sure that you come out of the marriage with the strongest financial foundation that you can possibly have. Okay. So your, what's different between you and a certified financial divorce, what, what is it again? Certified financial divorce a, analyst? A CDFA, a certified divorce financial analyst. And yeah. that is one of the credentials that I hold. Oh, you do. Okay. Cause I was going to mm-hmm. say, I thought that's what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can reach out to me. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but know that there are other folks just like me who are trained and, you know, able to help as well. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so, okay. So the thing with my audience is that a lot of them are in emotionally, financially, spiritually abusive relationships and financial abuse is like really common. And so, um, part of that piece is that they don't, they are are completely unaware of their finances and they're not allowed access to those. So how would they, if, if they're, if they came to you and said, I don't know what to do, I can't access my financial records. My husband has those locked. They, they're cut, you know, they're locked with passcodes. What is their legal um, you know, what is their legal right as far as having access to that? And how would they go about getting access? So there's a few different things that we look at. And I want you to understand that everybody's financial situation is unique. And that includes if somebody is experiencing financial abuse, what that looks like is different as well. But I always tell people to start with what they know. Um, And that might be something as simple as, well, I know we have a bank account at such and such a bank. Okay, so just writing down everything that you know, getting a good handle on what you know, and then what are the questions? Like maybe do I know if my spouse has a retirement account at work? You may, you may not know that information and that's fine. Um, we can get uh, access to a variety of things that give us clues. Um, and then ultimately, if, if needed, um, we would work with your attorney to have documents subpoenaed um, if if we need to go that route. Um, so it really depends. Now, some people, once they come to the realization that the marriage is over, um, they want to do it in an efficient and inexpensive way. Um, and so when they want to do it in an efficient and inexpensive way, that means that they need to be able to provide the financial documentation willingly. And so sometimes, even when um, somebody hasn't been involved in the finances in the past, when they actually are, you know, preparing to terminate the marriage, they may be more willing to disclose that information to save money on having to go through the court system to provide that discovery. The other thing about it is when somebody goes through that process, it all becomes a matter of public record. And sometimes people just don't want all of their financial information uh, made a matter of public record. And so they may be more willing to disclose that information than they ever have been before. But I always have people start with, well, what do you know? Um, And then I may ask questions that, um, so we start to kind of see where the holes are. Um, and figure out how are we going to get that information? And is it something where, you know, if you, um, you know, you can always access the tax records, even if you don't have access to them. Um, like, let's say you don't have a copy of what you filed. We can contact the IRS and, and get a copy of it if we need to. Um, if you're on a bank account, you can always 
contact the financial institution uh, and get a copy of those statements. So that's where we start to fill in and see there might be things that you do have access to that you don't realize that you have access to. And there may be other things that, you know what, we're, I mean, we have to use the court system that's available in order to access that information. So it just really depends on the nature of somebody's situation. Okay, good. So I hope that if you're listening, that you heard that clearly, that if you feel really fuzzy headed and feel like, well, I don't know anything and I don't have, I have no idea how to get this information, someone helping you and walking along beside you, helping you figure it out, they they can help you get that, the information that you need. Okay. So, um, and then I guess the last question I had was, I know for me, when I was going through mine, I sort of wondered what the other side would look like. And a lot of women will ask me, you know, let's say that they'll say, I'm thinking about filing for divorce, but I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've got kids that I need to support and I I don't have a career because I didn't develop my career because I was supporting my husband in his career. What does life look like for me on the other side? Can you kind of give us a scenario, like maybe the typical scenario of some of your clients that have walked through it, now they're on the other side, what does their life look like? So that is a great question and that there's no typical. And so, um, and, and I think that's, that's the beauty of it really. And that, that might sound crazy. And especially if this is a situation that you're facing right now and you are just feeling the fear and the stress around it, I, I've been through it with so many people and I totally see you and I know that it's hard. Um, but the beauty of it is it is an opportunity to really create a life that you absolutely love. And if you've been in a toxic relationship, even if you maybe didn't necessarily recognize it as such, um, you know, for, for a, a long period of time, or it's, you know, you're just starting to realize that you're, you're in a bad relationship, um, being out of that situation is so freeing, right? And so um, it's, it really is an opportunity to create and design a life that you, it's going to make you happy, right? Um, But part of that does mean getting serious about income and how you're going to support yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, the laws are changing. And I really, really discourage anybody from relying on somebody else 100% for income because the laws around like spousal support or alimony, depending on what state you live in and what it's referred to, um, you know, a lot of that is going away or it's being reduced or, you know, it's just, it's not, you can't rely on it the way that people have uh, expected in the past. It's just, and in some states you may not get anything um, as far as that goes. And then child support as people are parenting more and more equally, um, the amount that people are getting in child support is changing or being reduced, or there's a lot of changes there too. And so when it comes to, you know, terminating a marriage and thinking that you're going to be able to live on spousal and child support following the termination of the marriage, um, that may be an unrealistic expectation or a very short-term expectation. Mm. Um, And so as a result, it really does mean looking at how am I going to provide for myself? And even let's say you do get awarded child and or spousal support in your settlement agreement. I can't tell you how many cases where I see where people just are not following through on those commitments. And so it's so important to know that you're going to be okay, even if that other person does not follow through on their commitment for those, those supports. 
Um, and so for a stay-at-home mom, that could look at like a lot of different things. But I think what is so great about the time that we're living in right now is that people are realizing how much can be done virtually. You know, we're yes. just we're forced to realize how much can be done virtually. Yep. Um, and especially if you're still caring for children at home or maybe you're homeschooling, um, there are so many parents who are looking for help with like virtual school right now because their kids can't necessarily go back to in-classroom education at this time. Um, and they need help from other parents just like you. Um, and they're willing to pay for that help. And so you can really get creative and, and think about you know, how am I going to earn income? It might not be a traditional nine to five that we've thought of in the past or, um, you know, a lot of stay-at-home moms in particular have said, well, I could get a, a job at this department store, that department store. Um, well, you know, really a lot of stores and, and places like that aren't necessarily hiring right now. But who is hiring are people who are handling customer service online um, for all of this online ordering and things like that, right? Or, um, you know, people aren't going to restaurants as much. But they are ordering in via things like DoorDash or Grubhub. And so people are finding all kinds of ways to make money that are outside of that traditional, um, you know, just getting a, a, an hourly job at like a store or restaurant or getting a nine to five kind of office job. There's such a variety of different opportunities. And that's where I see people who are really committed to staying at home with their kids, looking for different ways to earn money um, and still be able to do that. And it really is possible, but you do have to be a little bit more creative and think outside the box. Um, and I'm always encouraging people to really just brainstorm. Think about what are all the different ways that I could earn money um, and make a list, you know, all of these thoughts that might be swimming around your mind when you're thinking about getting out of a relationship or you're in the process of terminating a marriage can feel very big and very overwhelming if you kind of keep them in your head. Um, but if you write them down and, and use it as an opportunity to really think through what, you know, what are my skills? What could I do with these skills? Um, and make a list. There's lots and lots of virtual opportunities available. Um, I think Facebook is a great place to find out about some of those with all the different groups that have popped up for things like virtual assistants or there's all kinds of virtual jobs um, that you can learn more about um, through those kinds of groups and, and how other stay-at-home moms have been able to make it work. Um, but the other thing that a lot of times I talk with women who've been staying home about is when they're looking at structuring their settlement. If they, if maybe there's a career that I just recently worked with a woman who she's always wanted to be a nurse and um, she had started taking classes part-time, but had never really, um, you know, focused and gotten through the program because she'd been really focused on her family. Um, but now in her settlement agreement, she's getting a little extra money from her soon-to-be ex to help fund her, her transition support. Um, so that way she can do her nursing classes, get that done, um, and be able to have this career that she's been wanting um, and be able to support herself and her kids. And for her, uh, her ex, it's good because she won't need spousal support as long um, because she will be able to support herself. So he's more willing 
to provide a little bit more support in the interim. Um, and then for her, it just gives her so much more freedom and choices because she'll have uh, a good income on her own. Um, I also have a woman who I just recently worked with her. Um, she's going through an interior design program. Um, so a lot of times people look at it as an opportunity to think, you know, where could I beef up my skills and have a career that I would find really rewarding? And um, especially when kids are getting older and they might not need you as much, or maybe they're grown up and they're out of the house and, and it makes sense at this point for you to be going back to a full-time position like that. Um, so there's so many different options that are out there that I think it's a really exciting time to think about, well, what is going to give you a strong financial foundation, not just today or for the next couple of years, but going forward, um, but also if you're looking at returning to the workforce, what kind of career are you going to find fulfilling, what's exciting, and how do we structure a settlement agreement that's going to support you in, in developing in that career? That's so, so good. Another thought I had is that I've known a lot of women, they, have, they end up having to move out of their middle class or up, upper class homes in the suburbs and end up having to move into an apartment. But one of the ways that they have made that, you know, and that's a huge adjustment. And it's, Absolutely. An, it's another layer of a loss. You know, you have to grieve. A lot of them loved their homes and had created beauty within their homes, but now they are living in an apartment with their kids and they have, I've seen so much resilience in them and how they, they'll share pictures of the, the little cozy places they've made in their apartments, smaller, smaller spaces. But I always think, well, over in Europe, they all live in small spaces and that's like just the norm. So <laughs> you can imagine right. that you live over in Europe in this romantic little, um, little town in, I don't know. I, I guess I've never been there. So I'm just making this up. On the <laughs> <top of my laughs> head. That's what I would do. I would use my imagination and I would make my apartment be special to me. And here's what it represents. It represents freedom and it represents right. peace and it represents a beginning of your new life. And it doesn't necessarily represent your landing place for the rest of your life. It's a transition place and it's, um, it can be a place of beauty too. So just, I know a lot of women are just nervous about that and afraid of what that's going to feel like. And it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to feel like a, a horrible, crushing, um, just devastating thing. It can actually feel really good when you know that you're doing it as a stepping stone to building a better life for yourself. So, right, Natalie. And I think that's probably the number one reason people tend to reach out to me is that they're trying to figure out if they can afford to stay in their house or not. Okay. Um, and I would say if there's one most common mistake that people make, it's trying to stay in a house they can't afford. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, it's a lot more than just if there's a mortgage on the house, can I make the mortgage payment? Um, it's, you know, in maintaining the house, it's the, you know, util higher utility costs. There's so many um, costs when you're looking at, can I afford to stay in the house or not? But I think even more importantly, if you're keeping the house and all the equity in the house, what are you giving up in terms of other assets 
that you may have as part of your marital estate. So some people are keeping the house because they have maybe similar level of equity in the house that their spouse may have in a retirement plan, for example, and letting their uh, spouse keep all of the retirement assets. Well, um, that, that might feel good on the very short term that you don't have to move and that you can stay in your house. Um, but depending on your age, that can be such a huge financial mistake for you yes. not to have anything liquid and retirement assets. And so I do see that very, very frequently. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's about making a home um, and not necessarily, you know, where that house is or where that home is. And um, I know I get a lot of pushback from people about renting an apartment, especially if they are going to sell their home, they still want to buy a house. Um, you are processing so much when you are going through a divorce, you are grieving a lot of different things. Um, and it's not just the, it's the, it's the marriage, but it's not just the marriage. It's everything that kind of goes along with that. Um, especially if you were close with your in-laws or you had friends together. Um, you know, I have a lot of people who are realizing that they might not be able to stay in their same church as a result of their, mm -hmm. um, decision to terminate the marriage. There's just, there's a lot of different things happening and buying a house is a big decision. It's a big expensive decision. Mm -hmm. um, and so finding something that's temporary, that gives you room um, to move through the transition and not be stressed out about money, um, not be worried about paying the bills, but gives you some of that kind of breathing room and time to just decide where do I want to live next? Not having to rush into those decisions. I think it's great for people to rent for a couple of years when they're getting out of a marriage. Um, in a lot of cases, it just makes a lot of sense. Well, and don't you think, I feel like it's, I feel like it's more older school to think that you have to have, you have to be a homeowner to have, you know, to have arrived. I think that there's, I feel like there's a shift happening where a lot of people are renting because it's actually, they just don't want to be tied down to, like you said, all of the, there's so many hidden costs to owning a home. The, the yeah, it depends. expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it depends. So I have um, I have a lot of a lot of clients in California where the house prices are very very expensive, and for them renting is just absolutely normal. It's just completely yeah, normal. Yeah. And um, and then I have a lot of clients in the Midwest where, um, especially with mortgage rates, uh, interest rates being so low right now, that they would never even think about renting. So it it really does depend on um, kind of the culture of where you're living and, and sure. what you're experiencing. Um, but it's, it's tough. If you've been in a house, especially a house that you loved, um, and you are transitioning to potentially a smaller space, um, that's new. It feels different. It's just, it's, it's a tough transition. And I recognize that, but it can be so such a good financial choice. Yeah. Okay. So before we close, why don't you tell us about, I noticed that you had this financial bundle on your website. Tell us about that the financial divorce bundle. Yeah. So what I did was I put together all of like the most popular resources that I have available on my website and I just made a bundle. So that way you could get it for a really low cost um, and get everything, you know, just all together what you would need. And so it includes a binder, which um, it's, 
like how to organize the binder checklists and worksheets because believe it or not, one of the things that I find that is the most stressful about a divorce, um, you know, there's a lot, but it's the paperwork. The paperwork can be very overwhelming for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is a way for people to get really organized. um, And I've really thought through everything that you need and, and to help you stay organized. So that way, you're not stressing about all those little things that um, you have to, you have enough to worry about with, with life changes that you don't have to worry about the paperwork. Um, there's a personal financial planner, which is going to help you from a financial planning standpoint, create a budget for yourself, stay on top of your bills, those kinds of things. Um, and especially if that's new for you, if you haven't been taking care of that in the past, that can feel very stressful. And I recognize that. Um, so this is a tool that you can use to help you stay organized from the money standpoint. Um, and then my two most popular eBooks from my website, one is preparing for negotiations, which is, um, such a huge topic, regardless of the process you use for your divorce. Um, and yes, there are different processes that you can use. Um, but whether you're going through the court system and you're filing a traditional divorce, or you're trying to negotiate outside of the court system using an attorney, or you're trying to negotiate yourself, this book has a lot of great recommendations for some things are kind of common sense, but when you get in the emotions of it, you kind of forget. Um, and some things maybe you hadn't thought about in the past. Um, and then the last ebook that's part of the resource bundle is a parenting through divorce ebook. Um, and so that talks about some of the kid issues, which are also very common questions mm. that I get. I also have tons and tons of free resources on the blog on my site. Um, And so I always encourage people to check out those resources. I have just, it's such a passion of mine to provide this education and this content for people. And, um, and I want people to use it. And I do get, I get beautiful emails from people who have read the stuff and it's, it's been helpful to them. And so I just hope that you will take advantage of all the free stuff that's on my website, because there really is a lot of good stuff available to answer any of those very common questions that people have when they're going through a divorce. Wow. That sounds fantastic. I will include all of those links to all of those resources in the show notes. So if you're listening, all you have to do is go to uh, flyingfreenow.com forward slash 88. That's the number of this episode. Leah, I just want to thank you so much for joining us, for sharing some of your expertise with us and your resources. And I know this episode is going to be um, probably a really pivotal one for a lot of people. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I just want to just speak directly to your audience for a minute and just say, if it's the money that is scaring you, you can figure it out. You will figure it out. So don't let that hold you back. Don't don't let the fear around any of the financials hold you back. You can figure this out. You can take control over your finances and have a really strong financial foundation moving forward. So good. All right. That's all we have for you for today. Until next time, fly free.